you are now about to experience the Revive Effect. My name is Matt Celestio, entrepreneur and holistic health specialist. And if you're ready to start your health journey but don't know where to begin, you are in the right place. At Revive, we create better ways of living for our generation by changing the conversation around health. And each episode shows you exactly how to build health into your life. You'll unlock tactics to improve your sleep, nutrition, anxiety, self-talk, and mind. Break free from quick fix culture because it's time you learn to love your body and start to feel like the real you again. Welcome to The Revive Effect. Folks, thank you for tuning back into the TRE podcast, The Revive Effect. I'm your host, Matt Celestio. Grateful you're always spending some time with us. We have been just pumping out some good episodes, diverse across the board. And I'm really excited about this one because it's a topic that I don't feel we've covered too, too much on the episode. And a lot of us, I know, are susceptible to it. It's all around breaking free from toxic fitness culture. And we have an amazing guest, Jessica Takamoto. We're going to introduce her in just a second. But I want to just paint the canvas for you. I want to lay the foundation as to where we're about to dive into this episode. I think we can all agree the fitness landscape, social media fitness, even a little bit of the nutrition aspect in there, it's confusing, it's polarizing, it's frustrating, it's overwhelming. It's almost like we're in this constant overwhelm, a bombardment of information that we don't know what's right. We don't know what's going to uplift us. It doesn't uplift us. And sometimes more than it inspires and leaves us feeling educated and empowered, it can leave us feeling disempowered in a state of, I don't know what to do next, I don't feel confident in my body anymore, and honestly, I'm just so confused, I'm not even going to bother stepping foot into this, into the fitness industry when I say this. Now, this is something, especially as a health business owner, I don't want people, I don't want you to feel like you don't have a worthiness to come and enjoy all the amazing benefits that come from fitness, from exercise, from movement. And that's why this episode of Brown Breaking Free from Toxic Fitness Culture is going to put you into the state of empowerment. With our incredible guest today, Jess, she is the owner of Shine Fit, an amazing, amazing community that just serves so many people in terms of getting their bodies moving, getting them to break down their limiting beliefs around fitness and really just strip away the complexities and overwhelm of it to actually enjoy fitness. You should check her out. She's awesome uh, with Shine Fit. And she's also a group fitness instructor. So not only does she really bring the community together where she thrives, but her long-standing expertise within the industry really shows that she has a really deep understanding about how this industry operates, what are the problems, how can we overcome them, and we go into so many great topics today that she's learned over the years. We even dive into her personal story where she's learned a lot of these things through her trials and her tribulations. It was a wealth of information. So she, we even go into things like how she tells her clients and community at ShineFit to not even worry about traditional meal planners, calorie counters, scale wins, and rather look at things that are what we're going to call non-aesthetic goals and how that's actually more beneficial for you to stay consistent and really enjoy your movement routine. It's uh, Again, we're getting away from that scarcity-driven mindset that comes from the social media fitness. We also go into how you can enjoy exercise right now, even if you're somebody who hates their body. We're going to tell you how to navigate that. We also dive into how to develop this unshakable mindset around fitness that, you know, you really feel in control. You really feel like you're the one in the driver's seat and that you don't feel swayed by all the, dis, uh, what do you call it, 
confusing things that come your way on your timeline. We also get into self-sabotaging habits and how you don't or how you're able to not buy into those even when big brands or videos on social media surround you and make you feel less than. And then even what's really cool, Jess got a crazy, crazy good energy, probably some of the best energy we've had on the show. So we actually get into a little bit of her nitty gritty about how energy creates energy and how that's able for you to pull yourself out of a slump, spring yourself into motion, take inspired action and keep your eyes on the prize. And Jess dives into that and so much more around this topic. Now, if you're somebody who feels disempowered, you feel confused and you don't know where to start in your health journey or even how to go about navigating the current journey you're on, this episode is going to lay out a step-by-step roadmap for you to get in the driver's seat, for you to get in control, and for you to start feeling like you actually enjoy fitness and you break free from this toxic fitness culture. I've bought into it personally for so many years. I've been on the other side of it. I know exactly where you are in your shoes. I used to feel tired. I used to feel drained. I used to feel fatigued. And honestly, no matter how much progress I made in the gym in my fitness journey, never felt content, never felt satisfied. I was always chasing something more. And honestly, I can attribute that to the fact that toxic fitness culture made me live a life of lack. So this episode is not only empowering for you. For me, it was something that just really hit home and tied on my heartstrings a bit because it was something that I went through and hearing Jess break down some of those barriers again. This is information that I wish I had at the beginning of my journey. And the other thing, if you are somebody, again, who's confused, you don't know where to start and you don't know what to do next on your health journey, I want to invite you to come into our Revive Academy. This is our all-in-one lifestyle transformation video program platform. We have brought together some of the best minds in the well-being space, experts, gut specialists, psychotherapists, and everything in between. And we've curated step-by-step video programs for every single wellness area of life. We have gut health, we have anxiety, we have mindset coaching, we have yoga, we just launched our yoga program. We have something for everyone to take your hand and guide you through your journey so you feel like you're in control, you feel empowered. And that's the beauty of the program is the fact that it's not only just a cookie cutter, here's what you're going to do, go do it. It's here's why we're doing it. Here's how your body works. Here's how to adapt all the tactics that we're doing right now to your lifestyle, to your preferences. And honestly, you, honestly, you, because you know yourself best. So I invite you to come into the academy, check it out. We have an amazing community inside that gives extra support, accountability, more exclusive content, and it's just a wealth and hub of information that gives you the beautiful, holistic wellness journey that you're looking for. And we guide you step by step through the whole thing. I have programs in there. We just have an extra, I think it's, we're now at 11, 11 programs, and we're planning to launch another 10 this year. So I'll see you inside the academy. If you're looking for your next step, that's exactly where I invite you to check out. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, folks, I want to welcome Jess Takamoto to The Revive Effect. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the TRE Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Celestio. As always, we're so grateful for you tuning in today because we're really on this topic of toxic fitness culture. And our special guest today is going to help us just break down the industry as a whole, how we can navigate some certain aspects of this toxic fitness culture and really just get in control of our well-being journeys. So I want to welcome to the show, Jess. Jess, thanks for being on. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. And thank you for listening in today and making time to 
listen to this episode. I'm super excited for our conversation. And I know that you are going to have some amazing breakthroughs and takeaways from this episode. That's the energy I like, Jess. That's why we have you on the show. Um, before we dive in today, do you have an intention that you wish to bring forward to our listeners today? Oh, good question. Okay. My intention is to be 110% here to give you everything I can to be as honest and vulnerable as I can. And my intention for you is that I hope you will do the same and give me 110% of whatever you have today, because the more you put in, the more you're going to get out of this episode. Love that. Love that. Thank you, Jess. Um, so let's dive right in. The, this narrative of toxic fitness culture, we're all seeing it on our social feeds. We see it with brands that we follow and the industry as a whole. So I want to know as somebody like you, who's in this industry every single day, like what do you currently see uh, in terms of patterns and things that are, your clients are dealing with under this quote unquote toxic fitness culture? Just break it down for us. Yeah, absolutely. To give you a little bit of background, if you have never heard my voice or seen my face before, I own a women's fitness studio and that started as an online business during the pandemic. Okay, it's called Shine Fit. So I have had a fitness company for almost four years now and I have been a group fitness instructor for six years. I've been working in fitness and recreation for over a decade. So I have been in this industry for a very long time. And there have been huge shifts in, in terms of what we're seeing, the messaging, what you know, the marketplace is responding to in terms of messaging from fitness companies. But there is unfortunately still a lot of this underlying mentality of you know, fitness is to look a certain way, to get smaller, to get skinnier, to get toned. It is still very exclusive and it's still very driven by aesthetic goals such as, you know, weight loss or um, getting toned, et cetera. And in terms of what we're seeing on a broad scale, it is changing. You see things like the body positivity movement, for example, joyful movement. There's lots of different trends on social media. This entire rise of self-love influencers is incredible but we're still not where we need to be. And that's reflected in the statistics. One of the scariest ones, 90% of North American women don't like their bodies. 90%, nine, that means one in 10 women actually like their bodies. Like, not love, like. That is such a low standard. And to me, that is disgusting. And we need to change that. We can do so much better because in my world, I want 10 out of 10 women to love their bodies. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know what? I can even resonate with that, especially on the guy's side. Um, we always hear the body positivity for the women, which I think is incredible. Like you said, we're getting better. But I find there's not a big conversation around that for men. And honestly, like I remember when I first got in my kind of wellness journey in terms of getting in the gym, I was always buying into that. Yo, you need to eat like 4,000 calories a day, lift to the max. You need to be there every day. Like don't take a day off. Otherwise, like you're a wussy kind of deal. And I was there for like, a year, maybe two, honestly. And I just remember sitting back there how many times I'm just eating at the table. I'm not even hungry, just trying to get my calories down. I don't care about the nourishment. I'm just caring about getting those that weight on. I would also be in the gym just pushing so much heavy weight. Like it was honest, it was ridiculous how hard I was working my body just to kind of buy into this culture. And yeah. then it wasn't until I took a step back and I go, do, do I really want this lifestyle? I go, it almost seems like it's not health promoting anymore. And after that, it's been about a year, two years now where I started moving my body because I just like it because it makes me feel good. It makes me feel energized. And the days that I don't, I feel kind of gloomy, not energized, lethargic. So I almost shifted the entire narrative of I need to buy into this culture. I need to do X, Y, and Z all the time. So you know what? I want to work out because I like it. It makes me feel good. And I'm not going to push myself to the brink. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. And that is what we define as having a healthy relationship with fitness. And so if we break down, okay, what is toxic fitness culture? That's the macro, like that's what's the messaging in society and, you know, popular culture, et cetera. And if there is this toxic messaging around looking a certain way, exercising too, and it's very polarizing, right? Like the messaging that men receive versus the messaging that women receive. And it's almost the exact opposite. Like, is that you're saying like how I need to just eat, I'm not even hungry and I keep eating. Women, it's like the exact opposite where they're like, I'm so hungry and they're under eating. They're not eating enough or they're overtraining on cardio. And doing too much is, it's too much of a, a good thing as the phrase could say, or, you know, I like to say more is not better, better is better. And when we're pushing ourselves to these extremes, it builds this toxic relationship with fitness where fitness is something that you dread. You know, food is not something that is enjoyable. There is guilt, there is shame, there's all these negative emotions, there's manipulation, there's guilt tripping, there's bribing yourself to go work out, right? And if you would not accept that from another person in your life, why are you accepting that from yourself in regards to exercise, eating, or the clothes you're wearing or how you're treating your body? Um, so, yeah, I agree. And another note I wanted to make around body positivity versus generally having a healthy relationship with fitness. If you're not aware of the body positivity movement, this often gets misconstrued. And really this body positivity movement is around marginalized bodies. So there's a big difference. Like anyone, you know, can have body confidence or build confidence in their body, love their body. But this body positivity movement is specifically around larger, marginalized, colored bodies, and they're not having, you know, equal space in the fitness space. So there's a, there's a fine distinction there. And a lot of times we just throw around the term body positivity as a catch-all, but that's an important distinction to make. Yeah, it's almost like you're saying uh, it's not just the the heavier set women in that sense. It's like anyone can struggle with negative insecurities or body complexes, even if you're not overweight or even if maybe um, you're, like you said, a marginalized body. It, it's diverse across the board, right? Yeah, that's that's body image, right? So your body is what your body is. That's a fact. It's a certain size. It's a certain shape. It's a certain number of pounds, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Your body image is the way that you see yourself. And you can be any size or shape and look in the mirror and like your body. You can be any size or shape and look in the mirror and find ways to pick yourself apart. And that has very little to do with your body and everything to do with the way you see yourself, which comes down to your self-image, your identity, your confidence. And I, that's a whole topic I know we're going to get into later. So I'll leave it there. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's, that's one thing I really admire about your business because as I go through your website, you even have this like prominently displayed. It's the fact that you throw traditional fitness metrics to the side, or you don't ask about fitness goals or give a nutrition plan or even encourage before and after pictures. So I want to know how come you preach about this to your community rather than the traditional meal planners, calorie counters, and scale wins, kind of what we were just speaking about here. Yeah, absolutely. This is because of my own personal journey with fitness and toxic fitness culture. And I struggled with body image. So looking in the mirror and not liking my body, right? Or body dysmorphia is what that's called. I struggled with disordered eating habits, under eating, um, shame, guilt, cutting food groups, counting calories constantly, really bad relationship with food. And I struggled with a really toxic relationship with exercise as well, over-exercising, way overdoing it, right? For years. And that was, you know, it's crazy to think how many young women 
are struggling with a toxic relationship with fitness. Again, we can look at the stats and we're not going to go there, but I really struggled with this in high school and throughout university. And at the same time, I, you know, had been an athlete my whole life. I grew up as a competitive dancer, got into group fitness classes. It was like, this is so fun. And one of the instructors was like, you should become an instructor. You'd be so good at this. It'd be a great part-time job, whatever. So when I was in university, I became a group fitness instructor. And I was like, how can I stand at the front of the room and tell my participants they just did something so good for their health that they should be so proud of themselves that that was really hard, et cetera. And they did it and they showed up and you know they can feel so good if I am going and looking in the mirror right before class, right after class and picking apart my body or telling myself that you know I wasn't good enough, et cetera. And so if I wanna be a leader, if I wanna be standing at the front of that room, I better fix my relationship with fitness. So I'm saying fitness as exercise, food, and your body, right? And that's where I came from. And as I started to undo all of this conditioning around needing to exercise to look a certain way and really emphasizing, you know, this is about feeling good. This is about mental health, emotional health, physical health. This is about, you know, being able to walk when I'm in my 80s, being able to run around and lift kids when I have them one day. And so realizing this and seeing how many other women are struggling with the same thing, of losing motivation because the only motivation is an aesthetic goal of constantly just picking themselves apart, tearing themselves down, not liking their bodies, not showing up in this world with confidence, with strength, with energy, right? This is where I started to reinforce this messaging of, I had this you know, journey through the lowest of the lows of toxic fitness culture, body image issues, eating issues, exercise issues, and then building that healthy relationship and seeing how much stronger and happier and more confident I am. And that's what I want for other women as well. So that is where the messaging came from. And it, you know, it's relatable. So many women go like, oh, yeah, I've struggled with this too. And it's not about like, I'm, I'm so sick and tired of this. I'm so tired of exercise being this chore in my life or something that I, I don't want to do. I force myself to do. I dread doing you know, I want to just be able to have a healthy lifestyle and it to not take up so much of my brain space and my anxiety and my insecurity like all the time. And that's what really caught on is because it's it's so relatable. Yeah, it's, it's like the notion of non-aesthetic goals versus aesthetic goals. That's like the overarching pattern here. Um, if you just want to quickly define like what is a non-aesthetic goal versus an aesthetic goal so people can actually make a difference uh, and determine what the difference is because they might think they're setting goals that are like body positive, um, much more better for their mental health, but it's still going down that traditional fitness route. So can you just like polarize the two so people can understand? Yeah, absolutely. So an aesthetic goal is about changing the way you look. And for so many people, especially when it comes to weight, weight is a big one specifically for women, unless your doctor has said, like a medical professional has said, you need to lose weight because you are at risk of a uh, chronic illness of being pre-diabetic of you know your weight is actually impacting your quality of life in the way that you're able to function in our society right if you can't like sit in an airplane seat or a bus seat or something like that right then there's a medical reason for weight loss that is completely different then yes we do need to look at your weight we do need to look at the numbers if you have not been advised that by a medical professional and you are a reasonably healthy weight why do we have such an obsession with a weight loss goal? And when I will ask women, they say, okay, I just want to, because 
the fitness industry and a lot of like big box gyms and companies push like, you know, needing to have weight loss goals. And it's so embedded in our culture of, you know, other people around you talking about like, oh yeah, my goal for this year is to like lose five pounds or like, you know, back when I was uh, 10 pounds later, I was so much happier. And when we really dig into it, for most people, it's actually not about the weight at all. It's about feeling like they're not in control of their life. It's about you know, not feeling like their self, feeling tired all the time, wanting to have more energy, wanting to feel accomplished and proud of themselves. It actually comes down to something so much deeper. And the reality is our bodies are going to shift and change throughout our life, especially as women, because your hormones are on a 28 day cycle. Because if you ever, for example, like get pregnant and have a kid, your, your body shape and size and weight are going to fluctuate throughout your life. And so there's a lot of factors that can impact that number on the scale, even just like water weight, right? When we set that goal, knowing there's so many other factors involved, your focus becomes on, you know, I showed up today, did the scale change? And the scale does not change in a day. It takes, you know, months or years if you are on a weight loss journey. In terms of building muscle, you're not going to see muscle in a day. It takes months or years to build muscle mass, right? So to get back into your question around aesthetic and non-aesthetic goals, if the goal, something aesthetic based, so it's like, I want to lose weight. I want to change the shape or size of my body. That is not going to happen in a day. It's not going to happen in a week. It's probably not even going to happen in a month. It's going to take months and years. And we as humans are wired for immediate gratification and positive reinforcement. And so if you are going, you do a workout and you check the scale, it's negative reinforcement because it hasn't changed, right? So you lose motivation so fast when we can make the goal about something not aesthetic, right? Something that is actually easier to control. For example, I want to have more energy. I want to show up for myself three times a week, right? Those are things that are factors that are a lot more in your control and you can see a lot faster. You get that immediate gratification. You get that positive reinforcement, which creates more motivation, right? So it's about making yourself, setting yourself up for success and setting yourself up to feel good because when you set a goal, like I'm going to show up three times this week and you do it, you feel proud of yourself. You feel really good. And we can build this positive cycle. The other factor is in terms of why have aesthetic or non-aesthetic goals, it just generally comes back to that sentiment of you can be any size or shape and like your body, you can be any size or shape and not like your body. So why not just like your body and continue to show up for your health? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, the one thing that I really love about non-aesthetic goals and I, I'll dive a little bit personal here too, is the fact that it changes the entire dynamic of how you have the relationship with fitness or with whatever goal you're doing. So for me, back when I was, again, on that aesthetic journey, I need to be jacked, I need to be shredded, I need to be eating, eating, eating. Mm-hmm. I dreaded going to the gym because I knew it made me tired. I was so sore for days, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But then when I had that non-aesthetic goal of, you know what, I want to move my body because I want to feel good. I want to feel energized. I actually really just want to feel healthy. The entire way that I looked at my consistency schedule or even the routines that I was doing totally changed. So there'd be times where I would beat myself up before saying, I only went six times this week. I didn't go seven times. Which is Now it's like, I'm like, I go four times. I go, I'm going to sleep the other two. I'm exhausted. I want that extra sleep because I know it will make me feel healthy and energized. So now I've removed that guilt and the shame of not going to rather now it's abundance. Like I'm doing this for my body. And now when I get my rest, when I feel good and healthy again, I jump back into it with more vitality, more energy. And I attack that workout in a much more positive mind frame. And just having that removal of guilt and the acceptance as to this is where I'm going to go with my journey. Totally changed the, totally changed the vibe that I go. 
Yeah. And what you said about coming from a place of scarcity versus a place of abundance. Mm. There are so many, you know, crossovers between abundance and scarcity mindset that relate to this mindset around fitness. And if you're operating from a place of lack, from a place of scarcity, I'm guessing based on the topics of your show, you've talked about abundance and scarcity mindset. Yeah. Like but you're, if you're, you're what? Re- returning listener. listener here. Yeah. Give, give a little quick synopsis. Yeah. Okay. We won't go too far into it. So if yeah, you're a new yeah. listener, basically there's, you know, kind of two different ways of it's glass half full versus glass half empty. If you have an abundance mindset, you feel like you have enough already. If you're in a scarcity mindset, no matter how much you have, it's, it's not enough. You're in lack, mm-hmm. right? So where this shows up for most, like many people in their lives is around money mindset. If you have, um, you know, you feel like I, I have enough, I can be generous. I'm so grateful for whatever amount of money you have versus feeling like there's, there's never enough there. I need to, you know, scrimp and save and I can't do the things I want to do operating from a place of abundance or lack. The same thing when it comes to your health, if you're, you know, I feel like, oh, I need to go to the gym. I need to lose weight because I need to, you know, it's coming from this place of what you're going to lose or what happens if you don't do it versus what happens if you do, what's the gain, right? Mm. If I'm going to go, I'm going to have more energy, more focus, more strength. You're focusing on all the ways it's adding to your life. It's just, you know, positive versus negative. It all, it all ties back together. And hopefully the wheels are turning in your mind and you can see, okay, positive reinforcement, you know, immediate gratification, being in a positive cycle, feeling like I have the abundance. I have the ability to go for a lot of people. You feel like, oh, I'm, I'm not strong enough. You are the fact that you can walk, the fact that you can, you know, maybe run or jump or whatever the things that your body can do is a blessing. And if like, God forbid you got in some kind of accident and you weren't able to walk for a week or when you're sick and you're, you're on the couch, you're like, I would do anything to feel like my normal self again. Right? So come from the place of being in your normal self. What are all the things you can do? You don't have to, nobody should be working out seven days a week. Okay. That if you, if that's you, like, please send me a message. We need to have a conversation. That is not healthy. <laughs> How much exercise you need is 150 minutes a week, 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous intensity. That's two and a half hours per week. That is five days of 30 minutes each. That is six days of 20 minutes each. That is four days of 40 minutes each. That is three days of 50 minutes each. Okay. Two and a half hours a week. It is way less than you would think. So if you are getting that, you don't actually need to be getting more than that. If your workouts are efficient and they're programmed in the right way, that is more than enough to build strength, to build endurance and to have healthy and strong body. So coming from this place of abundance, right? If you're able to go twice, amazing. If you're able to go three or four days, that's amazing because it's all about how it's adding to your life, not about what it's taking away. That beautifully articulated. And uh, that's the other thing is that you're a firm believer in that you must change your identity before you change your body. I know we spoke about this earlier. So what do you mean by this? What what does our listener want to take away from that? Okay, listen up, put down whatever you're doing, because this is the good stuff. You need to listen to this right now. Okay, this is life changing. If you struggle with working out consistently, if you struggle with motivation, this is what is going to change it. The reason that you struggle with showing up consistently to work out, or that you struggle with motivation, or that you struggle with quote unquote, finding the time, it comes down to your identity, your self image, because the reality of it is we all have the same 24 hours in a day. 
If you are actively in survival mode and you are trying to provide the basic necessities of life, exercise is not a priority. If you are, for example, like deeply grieving, grieving, going through a healthcare, something like that, exercise is not a priority and that is okay in that season of life, okay? If you're in survival mode, focus on surviving. If you are not in survival mode, okay, if, which most likely just based on statistically speaking, you're actively not in survival mode right now. We have the same amount of hours in a day. So it's not about finding time. It's about making time. This comes down to your identity. This is a, do you agree with this statement? If something is important enough, you will make the time. Yes or no. Would you agree with the statement? If something is important enough, you will make the time. Are you asking me? Just generally. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, of, I yes. agree with you. I agree with but you. yeah, like you or, or, or to the listener, right? Yeah, yeah. If it's your best friend's birthday, if it is a family event, if your boss says work emergency, if it's important enough, you will make the time, right? And important enough, when we say important enough, that comes down to our priorities, which comes down to our values, which comes back to our identity. Now, what does your identity mean? Would you agree with the statement, I am a fit person? Most of us, because we know that majority of, I think it's 80% of American adults do not get enough exercise. So most people, that tells us 80% of people would not agree with the statement, I'm a fit person. Now, a lot of us think when we're exercising enough, when we are X amount of pounds, or when we have X amount of muscle, or when we have X body fat percentage, or when we work out X number of times a week, or when we can run X number of kilometers, when we can lift X amount of weight, then we will be fit, right? Then we will see ourselves as a fit person. But in order to become that type of person, you have to build the identity first. Because if you do not agree with the statement, I'm a fit person, when you start a new workout plan and you miss a day, boom, there's confirmation bias. I knew it. I'm not, this wasn't for me. Who am I to be able to do this? I made a mistake, right? I missed a day. This is just proof that, you know, fitness isn't for me. When things start going well and you actually, you know, show up consistently, but you don't believe you're a fit person because a fit person exercises consistently a fit person. And think of if, if you would not agree with the statement, I'm a fit person. Think of somebody in your life who you would describe as fit. Maybe they're always going to the gym. They're always, they're a runner. They're a, you know, group fitness instructor. A lot of people would describe like, Oh, Jess is a fit person, right? Fitness is important to her. If Jess did not work out for three weeks, my friends would be calling doctors. They'd be like, something's wrong. Something's wrong because it's so part of who you are. It just doesn't make sense that you wouldn't, of course, Jess owns a fitness studio. If Jess wasn't working out consistently, they'd be like, what is that? There's a disconnect, right? And our identity is fed by the people around us. So a fit person, if they got sick for a week, are they going to try to do double workouts the next week? No, because they're already working out five, six days a week. So how are they going to double that? It just doesn't make sense, right? If a fit person goes on vacation, maybe they're going to, you know, do a few like light activities there. They're going to go outdoor activities, hiking, whatever. They're also going to indulge because they're on vacation. And are they going to feel guilty and beat themselves up for the next week? Or are they just going to get back into their routine, right? It's the latter. So how do we, you know, build like, oh, what I was saying of, so if you start showing up consistently, but your identity, you don't see yourself as a fit person, right? A fit person has that routine, has that lifestyle, exercises consistently. And you start to do that, but you're like, this isn't for me. You're going to self-sabotage. And all of a sudden it was going well until you got really sick or a work emergency came up or there was a family situation or um, your schedule changed. Or, and it's so subconscious that you won't even realize until you look back. And sometimes we'll never actually even realize because it's so subconscious that this is happening. 
Now, the thing about this identity is anybody can have the identity of a fit person, truly anybody. What holds so many of us back from accepting this identity is this is where we get into limiting beliefs, which is a belief that limits you, okay? This is where we get into ego stories, stories from your childhood. When I'm talking to my clients about this, I'm like, tell me about your, you know, what was fitness like? Were you active growing up? Like what? So many times if they have struggled with their relationship with fitness, with showing up consistently, with staying motivated, they were the kid that was picked last in gym class. They were the bigger kid. They were the uncoordinated kid. And this is from childhood. This is from, because it's not you as a child that creates your identity. It's the people around you. It's your teachers, coaches, friends. The teachers are the ones saying, the parents are the ones saying, oh, honey, you're not good at sports. Let's put you in something else, right? So you start to believe that sports are not for you. And this identity gets carried way into adulthood when it doesn't matter what kind of activity you're doing. Any movement where you're sweating, you're getting your heart rate up, your muscles are working is great movement. That's great exercise, right? I personally believe any, any of us can find some kind of activity that we like or at least moderately enjoy, right? That is not dreadful. But when we have these ideas of what exercise should be or what a fit person should do, it should have to be lifting heavy at the gym or not at all. It should be running or not at all. It should be this or that. No, dancing, walking, running, outdoor activities, sports, anything, that all counts, right? That all adds up to that 150 minute, two and a half hour mark every week. We have to look at this identity and how can you start to believe the phrase, I am a fit person. And if that's too much of a stretch and immediately the doubts come up and you're like, no, I'm not, what other words could we use to help change your identity in the direction? Because if you start to describe yourself as a strong person or an energetic person, right? Who is that person that you want to become? That identity in line with the activities you want to do, right? The things you want to have in your life, a fit person shows up consistently, but doesn't beat themselves up when they're sick or they go on vacation. They, they don't have like, you know, cheat meals, they just indulge, they enjoy, they have a treat, and then they go back to their normal routine. So we need to build this identity and strengthen this identity. This all comes down to mindset. And this is what I work like deeply with my clients on. And if you're, you're curious and you're like this, I need, I need help with this. Like, again, send me a DM, we'll have a conversation. Um, but what are those words where you can start to describe yourself as a fit person, strong person, energetic person, active person, you know, someone who enjoys eating healthy most of the time? Or what, what are those pieces of your identity so that your actions start to line up with your identity? So that when you're like, I'm a fit person, and it's going to feel weird at first, it's going to kind of be like, uh, not yet. But if you're constantly repeating yourself, I am strong, I am strong, I am, right, whatever it is, I am energetic, your actions will slowly start to shift to confirm, have that confirmation bias towards. So let's say you, you know, you're like, should I take the stairs? Or should I take the elevator. You're like, well, I'm so strong. I can take those stairs. Like that's going to feel good because I'm so strong. I can do it. And you start to make these little shifts in your day-to-day -day life. Let's go back to that example of like said, you, you started this new workout plan. You plan to go four days a week and you went three. A fit person would be like, well, I went three days. Like that's, that's awesome. And you know, I'm going to let that fourth day go. I'm not going to try to double it up next week. I'm just going to try again to do four days when things are going well. You're like, of course they're going well because I'm a fit person now. So of course I would be showing up consistently. And this is how when I said, listen carefully, like this is what you need to know about motivation and about consistency. We have to change your identity so that you can change your actions. Yeah, 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 yeah. I really do like that. And the thing that I really like most about it, though, is how you said it was almost like a gradual step into becoming a fit person. 
if we go right from, you know, I'm, I never work out. It's not for me to, I am fit. There might be a disconnect there because we don't actually believe it. We've been so quote unquote unfit for so long. It almost feels foreign to say that. So even saying, not even taking small actions, but even just saying smaller and gradual things to get you to being a fit person, that roadmap is going to get you there, not only more consistently, but more sustainably. So as you continue, like the same way that your own beliefs were made and those limiting beliefs were made, it took a while to form those years. It took years to form those. So switching overnight, like at the snap of a finger, it's not really going to happen. Building that and staying consistent, sustainably being patient with that and being, again, gentle with yourself along that process. Guys too, like I know this might sound quote unquote feminine, but hey, guys too, like you need to slowly build that new mindset, that new level of self-accountability and confidence and love. So that way, when you do get there, it's like, I've been here the whole time. It's not a whole big jump. It's a journey. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not feminine at all. This is identity work. This is, and it's not even just fitness related. This is for any piece of your life, right? If you don't see yourself as smart, if you don't see yourself as successful, right? What are the kind of thoughts going through your head? What are the kind of actions you're taking on a day-to-day basis? Physical, the physical is the last place something shows up, right? With whether it's fitness, whether it is any kind of goal, personal, professional, you want to achieve any kind of relationship. Growth happens in the dark. Think of like planting a seed, right? You plant a seed, you have to water it, you have to take care of it. You have to nurture it before it grows into a plant that you can see. Same thing with fitness. We have to do this inner work, this planting, this nurturing, this growth in the dark so that you have the foundation to have a a tree or a plant or whatever it is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So here's the other thing though. Let's say we're on this journey now. We're going about it sustainably. Now there's going to be times where we get hiccups, where we get failures, what we might call failures. And we buy into self-sabotaging behaviors and negative, negative beliefs. And we almost put ourselves out of commission because we think we're not supposed to be there. It's like we buy into these negative habits that we always do that we want to escape from. So I want to know like, for you, Jess, personally, when you're triggered by something on social media or even just a negative intrusive thought comes in that wants to derail your success, how are you coping with that? How are you navigating that? Oh, imposter syndrome. You're reading You're reading into my deepest, darkest secrets here. <laughs> um, we could talk about imposter syndrome all day. And it is that is something I have. It has been a constant battle in my life for the past decade. Now, the thing is, when this shows up, when those doubts show up or when those missteps happen, who are the people you are surrounded by? I think that is the biggest determining factor of how you're going to handle it. Because, you know, the saying of like, you're kind of a combination of the people you surround yourself with. So if let's just take it in specifically a fitness context here. If the people around you, your friends are like, oh, the gym sucks. I hate working out. Oh, really? You're going to go work out again, right? You're like, oh, I went to go four days, but I only went three. I know it's so hard. It's so, you know, the people around you are going to either be the ones to keep you down or to get you back up to where you want to go. If the people around you are all exercising consistently and have a similar lifestyle, you're like, don't worry about it. You did three days. Like, that's amazing. Right. And if the people in your life are not in alignment with who you want to become, it doesn't mean cut them out all right away and go cold turkey. Right. Not at all. But how can you start to not cut them out, but add again, focusing on not what we're taking away, but what we're adding to our life. How can you start to add people? Like, let's say I want to be more fit. 
how can I get involved in a community and find other people who have what I already want? So that invariably, when I make a mistake, when I miss a day, when I am demotivated, when something's going wrong, there's people there to bring you back down to earth, to keep you grounded and to encourage you that you actually, this is all part of the process. Oh, no big deal. Let me, let me tell you about a time when this happened to me, right? Yeah. I think yeah, that yeah. is, that is the biggest thing is who are you surrounding yourself with and how do I do it? It's, it's the same thing. I actually had this, like what I describe as this come to Jesus moment in the fall where entrepreneurship, owning a business, it's hard, right? Doing that full time is hard. Doing that full time in your early twenties is really freaking hard. And also different. I did not have many friends from undergrad that pursued a entrepreneurial path. And I looked around and I, I went, oh my goodness. Of course, when I make a mistake, which I make constantly, <laughs> of course, when I get demotivated or I feel like, am I doing this the right way? And I look around and I don't have friends who own businesses or who are building their own thing. I have a lot of friends, love them to death, amazing people. A lot of them are in professional school or a corporate path. And so by default, automatically, I'm kind of the odd one out. It's like kind of weird that I'm like running these events and doing podcasts and collaborations and all these sorts of things. So I'm like, I need to make, not cut out my existing friends because I love them to death, right? But find and make more friends that are entrepreneurial. So that when I have these hard days, so that when I make a mistake, so that when I'm uncertain about what to do, there's other people around me who have a similar mindset, who are going through similar things and can support and guide me on this journey. Yeah, that's so huge. And uh, what I want to touch on, kind of circling back to what we spoke about earlier, was how other people are influencing your belief systems, even at an unconscious level. So like the way you said, oh, yeah, my friends say the gym is so hard. Obviously, you're going to believe the gym is hard, but it's so subconscious and natural in a conversation that it just gets embedded into your mind and you have no idea that that's even happening. So when you try to say, I want to do this, I want to do that, and it's different from what you're currently having in, in your conversations, it doesn't even link in your head. It doesn't even spark in your head because it's not in your current uh, atmosphere. And uh, one thing that I like to do with that is it's conscious versus subconscious inputs. So when you start becoming more conscious, meaning you're more aware of the conversations you're having, the thoughts that come in rather than being just dismissive and on autopilot, catch that thought in the act and ask yourself, do I agree with this statement? Yes or no. And right there, when you put it on the spot, you're going to say, you know what? All the times, like I have gone to the gym before. It's actually not that hard. It's just everybody around me has been saying it's hard. So I'm going to automatically agree. No, I disagree. So now you're going to be changing that mindset, that whole view of yourself. So that way, when you do go to buy into your negative or self-sabotaging behaviors, catch them in the act, put them on trial, see if it resonates and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. So that way you can take action in a more positive way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, and I think the question that to ask is not necessarily, do I agree with this, but do I want to? Right. Because yeah. right now, maybe you do agree that this isn't fun. But if you want to be the kind of person that exercises consistently, that thinks the gym is fun, then if you're like, do I think this sucks? Yes or no? It's like, well, you know what? Actually, right now, where I am, current and past me kind of does, but future me does not want to believe this. So what needs to change in order to get to a place where I do or don't believe this statement? Well, that's that's beautiful because it trans uh, it translates really great into what you say about energy creates energy, and I know this is something that you've spoken about before. Now, how like for someone who thinks they lack the energy, the drive, and the motivation to start their fitness journey, like how can this concept get them 
up and going uh, on a way that actually feels like when they're in control. Yeah. Okay. So I am not a sciencey girl. Like I barely, barely made it through 11th grade biology. Let me tell you, <laughs> that was, you want to talk about like, tell me about a time that was a chat, like, tell me how you overcame an obstacle in your life. It was grade 11 biology. Okay. But there is a concept. And if you are a sciencey person, like my sister, she is a full on engineer. And if she was listening to this, she would be like mortified at my description. And I don't know the term of, you know, things in motion, stay in motion, things that are still stay still. So energy creates energy, right? This is really what that saying energy creates energy comes down to is things that are in motion will stay in motion and continue going the way that they're going. A lot of people will come across my social media. And I think you actually did this like several months ago. And you're like, how do you have so much energy? Every time I watch a video, you seem like you are on crack. Well, actually, you didn't say that, but a lot of people think that. Okay. And I'm like, yes, partly it's caffeine, but I really have cut back. Like I'm at, you know, one to two home coffees a day, really not, not an absurd amount of caffeine that I'm drinking, but the things in my life create energy the things I'm doing every day that have become habits and part of my identity. I exercise four or five days a week, right? And doing workouts that I actually enjoy that are not overtraining to, you know, we think like, oh, working out's going to make you tired. And in the short term it does, but in the long term, you're physically getting stronger. You're mentally getting stronger and that's going to give you more energy. So if all of your daily actions and habits are doing things that are making you stronger, that are making you happier and healthier physically, mentally, and emotionally, it becomes a self-reinforcing cycle where you're doing things that are going to make you consistently stronger, healthier, happier, more energetic, and things in motion stay in motion. So when you have these habits that just become part of your life, it's like you're constantly just always getting stronger. And I like the saying of 1% better every day. You're just getting 1% better every single day. And the thing about 1% better every single day, or the thing about things in motion, staying in motion is that it's not linear. If you're getting 1%, if you understand um, exponents in math, 1% better every day. This is like compound interest. On day two, if you're 1%, you're, you're at 100, and now you're 1% better, you're at 101. Now, 1% of 101 is slightly more than 1% of 100. So that's 101, 101 point something percent. And now an extra 1% on that. So the gain of that, if you do that for 365 days, the, the exponents work out to being, I think it's like 3,000% change wow. in a year. 1% better. It's either 376 or 3,776. <laughs> um, so you can go literally look at an exponential calculator. But if you get 1% better every single day for a year, by the end of the year, you're not... 300% better. It's like 3000. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Forgive me on the math here. I should have refreshed because this is always a stat that fascinates people. And, um, it really just goes to show how those small consistent changes of just getting a little, having that energy, create more energy. It becomes self-reinforcing cycle with exponential returns. Yeah. Well, even on that topic, um, I can vouch in my own life. Like there's times, let's say it's like a Tuesday or whatever. And because I work from home, let's say I sleep in a little bit. I don't go to the gym. I wake up and I just kind of start my day. I hang out on my computer. I'm working, 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 type, type, type. And then at the end of the night, I'm kind of exhausted. Maybe I'll just go chill. I'll go sit and not really be too productive. But on the latter, let's on this topic of energy creates energy. Let's say I wake up. There's days where I do do this. I wake up, have a nice workout. I come home um, and then I get my morning routine going great. I work the first half of the day and then I hit the city for like a downtown co-working session. So I'm out. I'm now moving from my environment. I'm 
removing the stagnation and putting my body into motion. I'll go down and I'll work at a cafe in the city. I'm around more people now, more energy. It's a different energy in the city. And then I'll go out with my friends for dinner. We'll meet like five or six guys in the city. Then we'll go to a networking event. I'm up and about. I'm talking, talking to all these different people. I'm still in motion. And then there's even times where we do all that. And me and my buddy are driving home back to Brampton at the end of the night. And we're wired, like ecstatic. Like there's so much energy. And we're looking at the clock. It's 1130 on a Thursday. And we're coming home. Why are we so energized? We just had a day to the nines. And it's the whole point of your energy was in motion all day. You're around people with good energy too. It's all going to feed, like you said, that feedback cycle. And you're just going to be so elevated and energized. And imagine now having that full day, going back to bed and now carrying that into the next day. And it just continues and keeping that energy in motion. So I think it's not only just being fit and active every day and doing things to keep energy in motion. It's like literally just live, get out move your body, do things that put you in different environments and create energy rather than keeping it stagnant. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note of the the people around you, this kind of ties back to what we're saying of who are those people around you? Because the friends that you're around that are like, yes, let's do it. Let's go to these events. Let's meet new people. Let's try these things. Let's et cetera, right? That's reinforcing this energy that you want to create in your life. And for example, like before we got on this call, you were telling me like, oh yeah, I got up. I had like such a productive morning. I got so much done for the business. How many people, the automatic judgment, it's a Saturday that we're recording this on. How many people, the automatic judgment be like, really like working on a Saturday? Like, why are you so excited about that? Um, or, oh, that's kind of, should, did, what, shouldn't you want to sleep in because it's a Saturday, etc. What are the things that I said to you? I was like, that's awesome. Cool. That's amazing. Good for you. And that was it. There was no like, oh, really? Like you got up early on a Saturday to work. It's the energy of the people you're surrounding yourself with, right? That's huge. Yeah, no. And again, I appreciate that. Um, Give me that support in the morning. Uh, I really do like that. So before we wrap up here, though, just I want to give one final question on this like journey, how we're talking about. We want a nice sustainable journey, a gradual journey to stepping into that new identity, that new belief system, becoming more energized in terms of keeping your energy ball rolling. Um, it is a gradual process. So a lot of people, like we said, with this instant gratification, we might be discouraged if we're not seeing massive successes right from the beginning. Now you're a firm believer in celebrating every single win and making that a habit. Now I actually have a gratitude episode tomorrow that I'm filming with uh, a couple of my other girls here. So this is a really nice transition to gratitude. So I want to know what does celebrating your wins look like for Jess and how has that really helped you stay consistent, even if they're not massive wins? Yeah, I mean, celebrating your wins and gratitude are one and the same thing in my in my books. It is truly the art of focusing on the good things that are happening in your life. And the reason to be like my promise at the beginning was 110% open and vulnerable. I was horrific at celebrating wins for the longest time. When I talked about imposter syndrome, I had mega, mega, mega imposter syndrome. And it's this concept, especially in hustle culture, right, of no matter what you do or what you achieve, the goalpost keeps moving. The goals just keep getting bigger. And, you know, a mark on a test, it's like, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal. It was just one test. Or like the mark on a quiz. Oh, it's not a big deal. It's just one quiz, which turns into like, oh, the mark you got in a class. Oh, it's not a big deal. It's just like whatever grade on what report card. But like, oh, this is only whatever, you know, there's so many more things to focus on. That's not my GPA. Then it's like, oh, it's just that that's just my GPA. It becomes a habit of downplaying your accomplishments and your wins. And this especially is a problem for women, high achieving women, 
it's a, a terrible habit that we have because in our society, women are taught and socialized from such a young age to be nice, to be calm and to be quiet, to not outshine people, to not um, brag about our wins, to talk about our accomplishments because we don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable. And unfortunately, little boys are socialized in a very different way. And that behavior is prized. That is socially reinforced as a positive thing to talk about your wins, to talk about your accomplishments, about how successful you are, etc. And this is just unfortunately the way our society works. But the problem, what ends up happening is 10, 20, 30, 40 years in, you have women that are doing amazing things and downplaying their success, chalking it up to luck or the right timing or the right circumstances never ever ever chalking it up to hard work or talent or skill or you know whatever the other parts that you put in and the key of imposter syndrome is attributing your wins and your successes to luck and your failures to personal mistake or responsibility right so anytime you win it was because of outside factors and anytime you lose it was because of something that you did wrong and where the problem with this is lies in society. And this is, it hits so close to home because this is me. And I have a lot of content that talks about this all over the internet. Of um, I had this big epiphany when I um, was offered a entrance scholarship to university, which is like a, a big, if you're familiar, if you're from Ontario, the major admission awards at Queens, I was offered a chancellor scholarship. And I had been downplaying my wins for so many years. Oh, it's just a quiz. It's just a test. It's just a grade on a report card. It's just a GPA. It doesn't matter that much that I was offered this $36,000 scholarship. And I'm like, oh, it must've been luck. They, I, I just got lucky. I don't really deserve it, right? And then learning about imposter syndrome of this habit of not celebrating our wins, of downplaying our successes, that has very real career consequences in the real world. And this is a theory called the confidence gap. And just in the interest of time, we won't get too deep into what the confidence gap is, but it's a theory to explain why the leadership gap exists. Why in our society are there so many more men in positions of power and responsibility and influence than women on a broad scale, right? And we're not going to have a discussion about privilege or about, um, you know, the very, very real accumulated uh, privilege or et cetera. But one factor, the theory of the confidence gap suggests is that having more confidence, putting your hand up, reaching out for an opportunity. There's a statistic that says that women will apply for a job if they feel like only if they feel like they meet 100% of the requirements, whereas men would apply if they feel like they meet 60%. So if you are putting your hand up and asking for opportunities and asking for what you want and feeling deserving of it twice as often, of course, you're going to get further ahead. And so as women, if you're doing it half the amount of time of celebrating your successes, about feeling, you know, deserving and worthy, about putting your hand, reaching for opportunities that you don't 100% feel qualified for yet, this is where the gap widens over 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And when I learned about this theory at undergrad, like this is literally why I ended up starting a company. This is, uh, as some could say, this is my Roman empire, okay? This is the confidence <laughs> gap, is my Roman empire. So this concept of celebrating every win, this comes from my experience of not celebrating wins for a really, really, really long time and ending up in a place where I felt so undeserving and so unworthy of my accomplishments. And from then on, it just became this mantra about literally it's a habit. It doesn't matter how big the win is. You have to celebrate it because are you in a positive affirmation loop or negative affirmation loop? Every single time you show up for a workout, that's a win. It doesn't matter how hard you went. Every single time there's a 
a small victory, you celebrate that because it comes down to positive reinforcement and immediate gratification. And we want to be in the habit of celebrating our wins because what, what you focus on expands. If you focus on all the ways you're falling short, all the ways you're not at your goals yet, all the ways that, you know, you can't have what you want, et cetera, you're going to find them. And when you focus on all the things that you're doing right and all the things that you're doing well and all the progress that you have made, you're going to continue to make progress and achieve your goals. So long story short, doesn't matter how big, celebrate the heck out of your wins. Be proud of yourself because you did it. And it's it's an amazing thing to say, I did that. And it's a great thing to also say, I had help, but don't discount the effort, the time, and the impact that you had on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that even it kind of goes closely to what your whole company is literally titled Shine Fit, right? Like you're allowing yourself to come out and shine and be the best version of you. So I'd love to give you the stage here before we wrap up here, just like tell women what you do, where they can connect with you and uh, how they can get involved in your community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's so true. When, when now when you hear me talk about the things I'm passionate about, you're like, oh, where did the name Shine come from? Like it it checks out. Like it makes yeah. so much sense. I get it. Right. Um, and I think without even knowing these things, it's kind of like the name implies it tells you like it's about being the best version of yourself, about getting 1% better every day, about letting your inner light shine, right? In the least cheesy way possible, but that's that's <laughs> the truth. So um, yeah, Shine is a, we're a body positive women's based fitness company. I have a studio downtown Toronto. It's at Young and Bloor. Okay. And then we also have a ton of amazing online programming. And I would say beyond the programming itself, there's a very specific type of person or woman that I know is my ideal client and I can help them. If you are a recovering perfectionist, overachiever, uh, people pleaser, and you have been putting other people first for a long time and you're very, very, profesh- very successful professionally, but maybe don't have that kind of confidence in yourself that you don't like your body or that you feel like you're always falling short, that you, you know, you're struggling with that confidence and you want to be in a place where you don't feel like you're sacrificing your health for your success. You want to be able to have both. Send me a message on Instagram. Let's have a conversation because Shine is a great place for you. That's where we're going to work on changing that identity, right? So you feel worthy and deserving of your accomplishments and having the identity of somebody who takes care of themselves first and can be successful at the same time. So if you want to find more about if you want to have a conversation, you can find me on Instagram at just Hakamoto Fitness. That's probably going to be linked in the description. You can find Shine at Shine Fit Co. Uh, everywhere. And if you listen to this episode, my ask of you is please just send me a DM if this was valuable and helpful and you had a takeaway, you learned something. I answer all my messages personally. Please slide into my DMs, send me a message, and just say like, "Hey, I listened to you on this podcast. I, you know, I really appreciate your story. This is my win, um, and I would just love to hear from you about." you know, what was helpful for you to learn about on this podcast. So I can make sure that I'm getting into the right circles, right spaces and saying the right things to help other people in the future. Absolutely incredible. Thank you, Jess. Yeah, listeners, we're going to link everything you need to get in contact with Jess in the show notes, wherever you're listening to this. So have a look over to her stuff. She's incredible. Uh, I want to say right now, when we wrap up, Jess, thank you so much for coming on the show, making some space. We uh, loved having you here. Thank you for having me, Matt. And thank you for listening and making it to the end of this episode. I'm so grateful that you gave your time to us today. Amazing. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you next time here on the Terry podcast.